music stopped doesn't mean we have to stop worshiping. There's just something about that name. That name brings peace. That name brings hope. That name brings encouragement. That name brings healing. That name brings deliverance. That name brings salvation. Is there anybody in the house today saved by Jesus Christ? Let me just see your hand. He, he saved your soul. Amen. You're born again. You're born again. And if you weren't able to raise your hand, you can raise it right now by saying, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin because I've sinned and I've fallen short of your glory. But thank you, God, for loving me so much that you'd rather have your son die than you live without us being with you. So you sent your son to take my penalty off all the wrong that I've done. And not only did he die for my stuff in my place, he had the authority to come back again from the dead to resurrect himself. So now your hope is not in a dead savior, but in a living savior that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you might be saved. Uh, uh, you may hope to be saved. You will be saved. Amen. That's the good news today that we're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, by his sacrifice. That's the good. And nobody can separate us from that love. Nothing can ever change that. Because we're saved by grace, not by works. We don't work to get saved, but we do work because we are saved. We're not trying to earn favor. We, we have more favor than we know what to do with. But it's because of that favor that we serve and bless God. So amen, amen is just something about that name. Oh my, oh my, oh my. I know that's not even what the sermon is about right now, but I could just go, whoa, right on down that street because he is, because uh, he has so many names. He has so many names. I mean, you know how when you were growing up, your family wanted to show their affection to you by giving you a nickname? So you not only had your birth name, but you had Pookie as well so they could show that love for you. And he's got so many names. The Bible says that Jesus is the Alpha and he is the Omega. The Bible says that he is the Almighty God. The Bible says that Jesus is the bright and morning star, that he is the beginning and Jesus is the end. The Bible says that he is the captain of our salvation and he is the chief cornerstone. There's just something about that name. He's the day spring from on high. He's the door of heaven. He's also the express image of God and the exact representation of God's glory and God's being. He is the faithful witness. Jesus is the first and the last. And thank God he is a friend of sinners. He's the good shepherd. He's the great high priest. He's the holy one of God. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is Jehovah. He is the king. He is the Lord. Somebody needs to give him praise because there's just something about that name. Oh, demons tremble at the sound of that name. So when you're late in the midnight hour and you're under spiritual attack and you done tried to eat, but that don't make you feel better because Jewel talked about that a couple of weeks ago, that that can't give you the comfort that you need. You turn on the television and watch reruns of good times, but that won't give you a good time. 
And then you just say, I'm just going to pray about this and I'm just going to start invoking the name of Jesus Christ and watch the atmosphere change as you worship him, as his glory, as he fills the place, the atmosphere changes. There's just something about that name. And so in this church, we will always proclaim and declare the name of Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. I hope you're in the right place. I hope you're, are you in the right place? Because in this house... We're going to serve the Lord. Oh, my God. No political correctness behind this pulpit. If you invite me to a function to pray and you say, well, uh, can you just close the prayer by saying amen? Then you don't want me to come to that function because the only way I know how to get a prayer through to God is in the name of his son. So if you invite me to the function, I'm going to say in Jesus' name. That's how I pray. That's how I pray. Don't invite me. It's like trying to send out a letter with the wrong postage on it. If you're trying to get something to heaven, the only postage that gets through is the name of Jesus. You better stamp that on your envelope of prayer. Oh, my God. There's something about the name. There's something about the name. My God. Oh, Lord. Okay. All right. I'm going to get myself together. All right. Mm, Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Oh, my. There's something about the name of Jesus. Woo. When you don't know what else to say when you're praying, just say Jesus. Just say Jesus. Mm, 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 mm. We might need some more of that. At the end of this service, I don't know. I'll try to leave you some time. We can remix it, go back into it. But Lord, thank you for that name. Because <laughs> there was a time we didn't know his name. But he knew our name and then he revealed to us who he was so we could know his name. And since we've known his name, there is no name sweeter than the name of Jesus. Oh my. Look at Psalm 23. If you're visiting with us, we've been in the Psalm, Psalm 23. And, uh, and we will focus today on verse 5, part B. We did part A last week, but read with me. The Bible says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. So today the focus will be on... He anoints me. He anoints me. We've been looking at how this shepherd does all of this work for his sheep. Yes, the sheep are great beneficiaries of all that the shepherd does, but we don't want to miss all that the shepherd does by being selfish and just expecting to be lavished on. Yes, we will be lavished on, but we want to appreciate the one that is lavishing on us because he is doing so much work to tend sheep. Now, my children want a dog. They've been wanting a dog for years. And uh, the reason why it has not happened yet is because my children don't understand how much hard work it is to have a dog. They look at the dog and it's cute and it's cuddly. And they say to us and give us promises, we promise that we'll walk it. We promise that we'll feed it. We promise that we'll bathe it. We promise that we'll do all of that. And my wife and I, we've been around the block a couple of times. We understand that sometimes what our kids say, maybe not your kids, but every now and then, what they say, it's empty promises. Because they don't even know what they're talking about. Because we told them the last thing we're going to do is get a dog up in here. And you take care of it for a week. And then after that, I got to walk the dog. Your mother got to feed the dog. No, no, no. That's not going to happen because having a dog 
is a lot of work. Can the church say amen? If you have a dog, unless you grew up like me in the hood where we had a dog, but we threw him some old chicken bones from time to time. We, we never took him to the vet. We prayed for him. Dog get hit by a car. <laughs> that was a ghetto dog. One eye, three legs. Called him Lucky. But you know, it's a lot of work to have a pet. We may cave in one day. We may cave in. We were at the uh, youth barbecue and cookout yesterday, and the Rhyme Chisels brought their dog, Nikki, out there. And uh, we had a good time playing with Nikki, and I'm looking at Nikki. Nikki is so cuddly and cute and running, chasing the ball. And I said, man, maybe we should do it. Maybe we should do it. But then again, I come back to reality to say it's so much work. Now, I don't like cats. They're too mysterious. But are they easier to keep? Are cats easier to keep? I, I don't know. I, they don't give you no love back. You, you, you love a cat, stroke it. Cats don't give a lot of love. They don't lick you. They scratch you. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, today we're talking about the anointing oil. I said all that to say that keeping sheep is tough. It's tough, man. Taking care of sheep is tough. Taking care of God's people is tough. But we have a good shepherd who knows how to love us well. And he anoints us. The anointing oil, which came from olives, harvested from olive trees, was used for at least four purposes. One, there were the consecration purposes. Two, the oil was used for medicinal purposes. And three, it was used for symbolic purposes. And fourthly, the oil was used for dining purposes. So when you read about the oil in the Bible, the anointing oil that comes from olive trees, it has at least four purposes. Number one, the consecration purposes. In the Old Testament, when prophets, priests, and kings were authorized or put into office, it was done through a coronation where they were anointed with oil. And the oil was a symbol of God's presence being upon them and that they have been set apart for a particular work or ministry. So when a king was anointed, the prophet would come and pour oil on the king's head in front of everyone, and it would be poured through a shofar or through a ram's horn where it would be stored, and the oil would be poured. And it was symbolic of the presence of God coming down upon the king or coming down upon the priest like Aaron. When Aaron was anointed, the Bible says in Psalm 23, 133, that the oil flowed not only from his head, but also on his garments as well. So it was a covering, a saturation of the oil, which spoke of the presence of the Spirit of God, because in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, everyone didn't have the Holy Spirit. Everyone didn't get anointed with the Holy Spirit. Only prophets, priests, and kings, and some judges were anointed with the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit would come upon people under the Old Covenant, his coming was temporary and even conditional, which is why when Saul had been anointed as king and the Holy Spirit came upon him, there would be times where the Holy Spirit would leave him and a troubling spirit would come upon him. And David is watching all of this as he's playing the harp for Saul so that when he was anointed in his own living room, and maybe we'll come back to that in a moment, and he became king, he was announced that as a boy, but he became that a little bit later as a man. 
when he had sinned against God with Bathsheba and killing her husband, his prayer in Psalm 51 was, Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit, his presence was temporary. His presence even was partial on certain people, and it was conditional upon one's obedience or disobedience. So David was like, Lord, please don't take your spirit. But under the new covenant, we never have to pray, Lord, don't take your spirit. Now, what happens is we are sealed with the spirit in Ephesians chapter 4 until the day of redemption. What happens under the new covenant is that the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God in us, on us, is not leaving us no matter what we do. We may grieve the Holy Spirit, but he will never leave us. We may quench his fire, but he will never depart from us. And so under the new covenant, the Holy Spirit operates differently. Why, Pastor Chris? Well, because the one who was anointed with the Holy Spirit, which was the Messiah, Jesus. The word Messiah literally means anointed or anointed one. So the Jews were looking for the one who was to come, who was anointed in all offices as prophet, priest, and king. Now, no one could be in all of those offices, you know, because, you know, you, you, you were a king, you were from the kingly line. If you were a priest, you were from a particular line as far as Aaron and Levi and all of that. And then if you were a prophet, you were from a different line. And so you couldn't be all three at once. But Jesus came as the anointed one who was prophet, priest, and king. And might I also throw in, he also is the judge. So he is the anointed one. And when he came and he gave his life, he said that he was going to pour out his spirit, not just on prophets, priests, and kings, but he said he would pour out his spirit in unison with the prophecy from Joel chapter 2, that the spirit of God under the new covenant of grace, he would be poured out on all flesh, not only on prophets, priests, and kings, but also on men and women, on men servants and maid servants. So what the Spirit of God did was he broke through race, class, and gender with his anointing that was given freely to all who accept the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. That is good news. So it just wasn't Moses who had the Holy Ghost. Everybody now in the body of Christ who knows Christ has the Holy Spirit, which is why it says in 1 John 2, 27, you have an anointing from God. As Christians, Christ, the New Testament term for Messiah, uh, also means anointed one. So as Christians, we are anointed ones. We've been given the Spirit. He's the one who makes the difference in us. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And the spirit that is in us is greater than the spirit of falsehood and lies and even Satan that is in the world. So we have this anointing from God that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. So we've been consecrated as Christians. So as a king would be anointed, they would be set apart. This is Jehovah M. Kadesh, the Lord who sanctifies, who sets you apart. The kings were set apart, so you were to respect 
the anointing that was upon them. And even if you didn't like them as a person, you should have respected the office because God put that person in that office and he didn't ask you if you wanted to have a vote on who he put into that office. So you respect the office even if you don't like the person because God set that person apart unto himself as holy and they've been anointed in public by the prophet who's also been anointed and also in support with the priests. So all this stuff is going on in the Old Testament. We're just talking about the anointing oil. But then the oil was used for medicinal purposes. This olive oil, and because the context is talking about sheep, sheep needed oil. Because sheep would always get parasites in their nose and, and they would also damage their heads because they did a lot of walking with their heads down. And so they would bump into trees and bump into jagged rocks. And, and so they would always need an anointing put on their head, salve, medicine. And so when the shepherd would see open wounds in the nose or on the head of the sheep, then the shepherd would apply the oil on the head of the sheep and it would serve as a balm or as a medicine for them. But not only for animals, this oil, when God creates stuff, he is amazing with how he can create things and it can have multi facets and uses. I mean, there's so much in nature that can make us well and make us better. So we don't always need to go after the stuff that's been saturized by the world and all these kind of ingredients put in. Then the natural things that are in the world are here. I think in the book of Revelation or in Isaiah talks about how the, the fruit on the trees will be for the healing of the nations. And so there's, there, there's something natural in the fruit, and the olive is considered to be a fruit. Now, I don't like olives, but I will take the oil. I don't like olives. And so for medicinal purposes for sheep, it would be used, but also for humans. So when humans would have an issue with their body or wounds, then the oil would be used on their bodies. Remember in the parable Jesus tells about the Good Samaritan. He was jacked up, and he was beat up, and he was left for despair on the road going down into Jericho, which many call the highway of death or the valley of the shadow of death. This man was beat up, but the priest walked by, the Levite walked by, no one wanted to help him, but the Samaritan helped the man. The man who, the, the Samaritan was considered an outcast, but he came in and he helped this man, and the Bible says he helped him by pouring oil into his wound. So he bandaged him up right there on the road, not worrying about if something would happen to him from the people who just hurt the man that he's trying to help. And so we see the oil is for medicinal purposes, which is why we see the symbolic purposes in James chapter 5, where it says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So because the oil had medicinal purposes in it and the oil represented the presence of God, his spirit upon the people, therefore the Bible says that when the church comes together and if there are people in the body who are sick and we believe that our God is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals, and Jesus encourages us to pray for healing in his name, then the elders who are to shepherd the church under Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, We've been given authority to bind and to loose, according to Matthew chapter 16, because some sickness is spiritual, some sickness is physical, but it does, and some sickness is emotional and mental, but it doesn't matter because our God is a healer and he can heal us. Can somebody say amen as you're listening to me right now? He heals and he does heal. And so we are to ask God for healing. 
in the body of Christ, and the elders are to anoint people with the oil. The power is not in the oil per se. The power is in what the oil represents and in the name that we're praying in. There's just something about the name. There's something about the name. And so it takes humility to ask for prayer, which is why a lot of us stay sick and hurt, broke, busted, and disgusted because we don't want to humble ourselves and ask for help from God or to ask God's people to pray for us or to ask the elders to pray for us so we walk around prideful thinking that we can get through it. But the Bible says that God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. So today at the end of this service, we're going to ask if anybody here needs the elders to lay hands on you to pray for you about something going on in your body, in your mind, in your soul, whatever. We're just going to pray and we're going to believe God. May it never be said of us that we do not have because we have not asked. But not only that, though, in that James passage, it says uh, you may also need to confess your sin because we're not always sick because of sin. But sometimes we are sick because of sin. And that's part of the humility process of saying, God, I am sorry, Lord. Please forgive me. Because, man, we are most miserable as Christians when we are out of fellowship with God. But, man, when we can confess our sins and say, Lord, please forgive me. Have mercy on me. God rushes us with mercy. And sometimes things are wrong in our lives because we have chosen to be stubborn and hard-hearted. But when we can humble ourselves before God and even before God's leaders in the church, God provides healing to the soul and we even pray healing to the body in Jesus' name. I hope you heard that. I hope you got that. But most importantly, and for our message today, he uses this oil not only for consecration and for medicinal and symbolic purposes, Strong Tower, he uses this oil for dining purposes. Remember now, our host our shepherd, he's prepared a table for us. He wants to eat with us. He wants to serve us. And so in the East, it was customary for hosts to have a servant do several things. So if I came to eat at your house in the first century and we lived in the East, if I came to your house, you would have a servant do certain things for me as I came into your house. The servant would come when I came into the house and the servant would help me take my sandals off because I've been walking in dust and in dirt because, again, remember the terrain in the east, people did a lot of walking. So when they came in, the sandals were taken off also to not trek the dust and the dirt in the house. Many of us do that today. When people come to your house, take your shoes off and walk through our house barefoot. And so that's how some of us do. But that was also done so that when the sandals would come off, the servant would wash the feet of the guest. Imagine our first-time guest. If we told you today there's going to be a foot wash and service, every first-time guest, just come on in and sit down. Now, some churches do that, and some guests never come back again because that's that's just too much. That's too much, man. Because when you get your feet washed, I think it's more humbling to have your feet washed than to wash feet. What do you think? Man, I'd rather wash feet than have mine washed. Some of y'all are like, wait a minute, Pastor, I I, I think I'm the opposite of you. Uh, but, But the point is, when somebody does your feet, you feel good. My wife, she's gonna get me. I didn't know I was gonna say this illustration. But my wife, sometimes her feet hurt all the time. She, her feet, she just has very sensitive feet. 
and uh, she'll buy some shoes, and, and I'll always ask, now, baby, are they comfortable? And while we in the store, she's, mm -hmm, yeah, they're comfortable. Mm -hmm. And then after she wear them a couple times, her toes be looking all like this and stuff. And she's like, these aren't comfortable. I'm like, I thought you said they were comfortable. And then she says, I know my feet. They just, I know. And so one day her feet was hurting so bad, she was walking funny, you know, just put, you know, just walking funny. So we were in the mall and we were like, you know what, let's go to these brothers here and let them work on your feet. You know, you know, I had been blessed with a little bit of money. I wanted to bless my wife. So baby, you just go ahead and sit down and let them take care of your feet. Man, I went walking around the mall. I came back. My wife was sitting in that chair. They were working on her feet and sister girl was knocked out. It's something about when somebody cares for you. And they were massaging her feet. So when you came to somebody's house, they would show love to you by having a servant take care of your feet. Then they would give you a cool drink. Because again, you're hot. You're in a hot climate. They would give you a cool drink of water. Then they would often give you a kiss as well to show their affection for you and that they're excited to have you in their home. So back in the Bible days, they would say, greet one another with a holy kiss. That was a way of being hospitable and accepting to one another. But then also, they would anoint your face and your head with olive oil. So when you would invite somebody over for dinner, you had work to do. You had your servant do all of this. They would anoint the person's head. They would take this costly oil and they would anoint your head so that you would feel fresh like the aromatherapy lotion out of Bath and Body Works. You put it on, it smells good, you feel fresh because you've been walking out there, you're hot, you got a cool drink, and now they anoint your head and your face with the oil. Now, what I love about how the Lord dines us, my God, he doesn't have a servant do for us, he does it himself. You got to hear that now because the king came to serve. And remember in the upper room, we talked about it last week, Jesus prepared not only a table for them, but a house that was fully furnished. And he washed the feet of the disciples. He's the one that passed the bread around and the cup around. He didn't have a servant do it. He did it himself. And you would think that people would serve Jesus like that, don't you, when he would go to houses? Well, there was a time, you guys, when a Pharisee invited Jesus to his house. And read with me from Luke chapter 7, verse 44. Listen to what Jesus said to this host. He said, then he turned to the woman, because there was a woman that came and cried at his feet and wept at his feet and wiped her, his feet with her hair. So he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. So Jesus said, I came to your house. You invited me over. You didn't even give me the customary treatment of the day because you don't love me. You don't respect me. You probably want me here to argue something with me. You didn't even give me proper treatment. But guess what? God always has a person for his prophet. 
It may not be a whole lot of people that's going to love God's prophet, but God's going to make sure there's somebody that's going to take care of his prophet. So this woman shows up in this environment with all these haters present, and she wasn't going to let them haters stop her from blessing her Messiah, and Jesus wasn't going to let them haters stop him from receiving the blessing. And they said, man, if he was a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this was. That's when Jesus said, uh, Simon, tell me this. Uh, if someone's been forgiven much versus someone who's been forgiven little, who's going to love more? And Simon said, the one who's been forgiven much. And he said, this woman understands that she's been forgiven much, so she loves much. Simon, all you Pharisees, you don't understand that you're just like this woman. I don't care what you've done. You may not have done what she did, and the Bible doesn't tell us what she did, but you're no better than her. If you understood your sin, and if you knew who the Messiah was in your midst, you'd be down on your knees as well, honoring me the way she has. But you missed this moment because you're steeped in religion and your heart is hard and you're stiff necked but Jesus said she's coming she's honored me and it's not going to be taken away from her so Jesus went somewhere and they didn't even treat him right but in our cases y'all let me tell you our shepherd I don't care what we've done as his children his love to us is not going to be conditional he's going to make sure we get a cool drink because he leads us beside the still waters. He's going to make sure that we're able to sit down and he's going to wash our feet. He's going to prepare the Passover lamb, which really is himself. But he's also going to make sure that we are anointed. So when Jesus anoints you, Strong Tower, he does it when he dines with you. Oh, yeah, he's your host. My God, see him. See the good shepherd. He's prepared the place for you. He made the meal for you. He set the table for you. He loves you so. He's washed your feet. He gives you a kiss. He gives you the water, and he anoints your head and your face with oil. Now, the anointing oil, listen to this. It makes you feel better. It makes you smell better, and it makes you look better. Can I have a minute just to unpack this for a second? When you get anointed with oil by the host, uh, Elder Paul, you feel better. When you get that oil on you from being out in that hot sun and walking and you get that cool oil, you just feel so much better. But it's not just the oil. Listen to this. It's the hands of the person who puts the oil on you. Some of us have gone to masseuses and, and, and we've got massages. And some of them got good hands. Some of them got rough hands, feel like rock hands. It's like, whoa, you need to put some lotion on your hand before you start trying to help me. Your hands are cutting me, man. What's going on? You're rough. You're hard. But other people, they know how to not only, you know, put the lotion on, but their hands, they know how to touch you. And when our shepherd puts the oil on us, yeah, the oil is good, but, man, it's his hand that's on me that feels good. Which is why sometimes in the New Testament, not every time, When the oil of the Holy Spirit was transferred from people to people, it was done by the laying of hands. It was the touching of the hand that would move the anointing of God, which is why it's always good for us to touch and agree that the Spirit of the Lord may move freely among his people. But it's his hand that I want most. In Mark chapter 10, verse 16, it talks about how Jesus put his hands on the children. Lord, put your hands on me. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. So the shepherd puts his hands on you. 
Nehemiah told the people when they were wondering, what's going to happen with this wall? Nehemiah showed up and he said, let me tell you something. The hand of my God is good upon me. In other words, what he's saying to the people is, I am anointed for this task. To put this wall up, I've been chosen, set apart. God put his hands on me. His hands are good upon me. And so that's why before any ordination council puts their hands on somebody in the natural realm, we've got to test to make sure God has put his hands on them in the spiritual realm. Oh, I said too much. That went too fast. That's too much. Which is why the Bible says in 1 Timothy, don't be hasty in the laying on of hands of people. You got to make sure that God laid his hands on that man you want to marry before you lay your hands on him. You got to make sure that God's laid his hands on that woman you want to marry before you lay your hands on her. Because if God has laid his hands on that person or laid his hands on that preacher or laid his hands on that entrepreneur, man, it's going to work out, I promise you, because it's the anointing, it's his authorization that's on you. It's his hand that's going to get it done on Nehemiah, on anyone in the Bible, on you, when he puts his hand on you. And so when the shepherd anoints you, he puts his hands on you and he's distributing power to you. But not only does it make you feel better because the Lord got his hands on you, but it'll make you smell better too. The smell of the anointing on you will permeate through the valley of the shadow of death. So he breaks that thing open. He puts it on you and it smells good. Look at this passage from the New Testament from John chapter 12, verse 3. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus. And wiped his feet with her hair. Pause, ladies. This is the ultimate act of worship. Because a woman's glory, according to 1 Corinthians 11, is in her hair. So when a woman uses her hair and submits it to the feet of Jesus, she's submitting her glory to the glory of God. Because you know how sometimes when our sisters get their hair done, they don't want nobody to touch it. Don't, mm-hmm. but, but, but when you can say, I'm giving it away, I'm laying my glory down at his feet, that's the ultimate act of worship. No matter what glory we have, if, if it's our hair, if it's our office position, our money, whatever we have, when we surrender what we have that people see about us and say, man, that that person got something going on. But when we surrender that to God, that's the ultimate act of worship, which is why so often worship was done with your face covered because we like people to see our faces, especially if we got some makeup on it. But when we worship, we put our heads down because it's not about my face because now I'm in his face. It's worship. That woman put her hair on his feet. She was worshiping him. But keep on, keep on. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. First thing I think of when I was growing up, the smells that my house has been full of growing up in Baltimore, Maryland, with a mother that liked to fry chicken eight nights a week. (laughs) Our house always smelled like fried chicken. It wasn't fried chicken, it was fried fish, because we would sometimes eat fish on Friday. And uh, your house would smell, some of y'all's house would smell like chitlins, oh Lord. Y'all know how y'all do when y'all make them chitlins, chitlins just smell up the whole house. And so what's going on in this house is that this oil, this perfume, this fragrance was so strong that when she anointed Jesus with it, it went through the whole house. The house smelled better. Jesus even smelled better. And watch this. He went to the cross. 
smelling good. He went to the cross smelling like the anointed one that he was. She anointed him with this for his burial. He was anointed and the smell went through the house. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, I'll read it very quickly. There's this smell on us too because we're anointed as well as Christians. Every Christian is anointed. Whether we're walking in that anointing is something different. Whether we're walking in the spirit is something different. But we have him. So now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And through us diffuses the fragrance of Christ in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So when God smells us, we smell just like Jesus. The anointing that is on Christ is now upon us. He took of his spirit, poured out his spirit on us. We've been given the same spirit to drink. The Pentecostals have the same spirit that the Baptists have. The Baptists have the same spirit that the Lutherans and the Methodists have. That nobody has more or less of the Holy Spirit. And when God smells his body, irregardless of denomination that we set up down here, we all smell like Jesus in the nostrils of God the Father. And that's good news because every now and then I get a little funky. Every now and then, woo, I get a little funky. You know how back in the day again you try to put cologne over funk. But the funk would still come through and it'd be a mixture of funk and cologne. That's what teenagers did. I hope you're not older still doing that. (laughs) But when I get funky, and I get funky every day, I still smell like Jesus to God. My funk doesn't matter to God. It's been dealt with at the cross. My God. Oh, Lord. So to make you smell better. But not only that, I may end with this point right here. The anointing oil makes you look better. Mm -hmm. They put that oil on the guests. Because the oil makes your, makes your head shine and make your ha- hair glisten. They put all that on you. You know, you ever go into the bathroom and touch yourself up? Ladies got the stuff they sprayed on their hair. You know, they, they fix themselves up. They want to glisten when they come back out. And so what happens is they would anoint you with this oil at the table so that you would feel good, you would smell good, and you would look good. Oh, my God. And you would have a glow about you because you've been freshly anointed. Now, I, I got to give a cultural moment real quick. I got this, this is a multicultural church. <laughs> Lotion to black people is essential for life and godliness. My white brothers and sisters, y'all may not understand lotion. You may use it for cracking and things like that. But we use it for ashiness purposes because there's something about our skin where we get ashy. My feet, if I were to take my shoes off right now, look like I've been walking through powder or baking soda. I, I, I got to anoint the feet with lotion. There's just something. And see, with black folks, we, if, even if we don't have lotion, we will use baby oil. Oh, man, we will use Vaseline. And, and you leave the house Glowing, I'm telling you, you go get on a school bus glowing, you all grease down. You got grease in your hair, grease on your face. That's just how we did it, going out, glistening and stuff. So to my white brothers and sisters who adopt our black sons and daughters, make sure you keep some lotion nearby. You may not need it as much. 
Oh, but them little boys and girls you got, they need it. Oh, Lord, they need it. Oh, my. Then cultural moment. Because when black folks see other ashy black folks, we like, what's wrong? Oh, Lord, there's an anointing in the lotion. But here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. And I'm going to close with this. The anointing was necessary because it would make you glow. When the Spirit comes in your life, he would give you the oil of gladness. And remember, they're in the valley of the shadow of death, and you've got joy when the world says you shouldn't. Because the anointing that is on you and in you is giving you a joy that the world can't give, that the world can't understand, and the world cannot take away. It's a peace that will surpass your understanding, and it will rest on you. And so I've seen this happen many and many times. But, but, but look at Acts chapter 6, verse 15. This is about Stephen the great deacon who was a preacher. And the Bible says, and all who sat in the council, looking steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. So he was glowing. Then he started preaching. And they didn't want to hear what he had to say. And so they rushed at him to stone him. But the Bible says, Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the anointing of God. And he even was able to see stuff that nobody else saw. He says, I, I see heaven open. Because so, the haters were coming, the enemies were coming. But he was looking at Jesus and he said, I see heaven open. I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And they came at him even more and killed him. And the way you know he was anointed with the Holy Spirit, because a lot of folks say I'm anointed with the Holy Spirit, but they mean as all get out. He was anointed with the Spirit in such a way where he could love his enemies and say to Jesus, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Don't let this be charged against them. Same thing Jesus said and did when he was on the cross, because that's what the anointing does. It makes you glow when you should be shrinking and struggling and, and looking bad and feeling bad. His anointing, his spirit on you. Yesterday was the anniversary of my father's passing. He passed 16 years ago. And I remember the last time I saw him in Maryland, he had a glow on him. I didn't know it was going to be my last time seeing him. But he just had a glow. And for those who may not know, my father uh, suffered from diabetes and uh, he had congestive heart failure. He was a double amputee, cut both his legs off. He also had a thumb cut off. And so even though parts of his body were being cut off, his outward man was wasting away, but the inward man was being renewed. So my father was strongest. Every time he lost a limb, the more he went to dialysis, like he was stronger and it was his faith in him. Like, like so his body was wasting away, but my father, man, he just, you knew God's hands were on him. And uh, I was talking to my mother yesterday because she and I pray on Saturday. She prays over me every Saturday. And she was struggling a little bit yesterday because it was the anniversary of his home going. And she began to tell me of the day that he actually went home. And she's told me before, and I love when she tells me these stories. And she said that 
the day that my dad passed, he was glowing. And she said, um, when he was in the bed, the sun had broken through the room and was shining on his face in such a way. And she said his eyes, which are normally dark brown, had become light brown. Naturally, they were just light brown. And she was looking at him, and I said, Ma, because I was studying this for today. And I said, Ma, it could be that the angels, he, he was facing the angels. He's coming into the presence of the Lord, and all of that glory was rubbing off on him, just like the glory was rubbing off on Stephen. And so the presence of God, the anointing, was on Dad before Dad went to glory because God is not going to allow his children to go out looking defeated when they are victorious. And so, so he was glowing. My mama said, oh, Chris, Thank you for telling me that. I never thought of that before. And I remember going to see Peggy Southern many years ago in her home and in the hospital when cancer was riddling her body. But this woman had a glow about her. You go in to try to make her feel better, you leave feeling better. Because it was the spirit of God that was on her. Cancer didn't have the authority over her life. Jesus had the authority over her life. And she was not afraid of death. She was not down because of the sickness. And you say, man, how in the world could she do that? How could my dad do that? It wasn't them. It was the anointing in them and on them, giving them the strength in that moment in the valley of the shadow of death. That's why Jesus said, not only is he called the comforter, he's called the helper. And when do you need help when you're hurting and suffering the most because I can't do it but he can do it through me in a way that I don't even know he's doing it just like when Moses was in the presence of the Lord his face shined he came back down he didn't even know his face was shining they're like dude you're shining you're shining you're shining and so when we get in his presence we start shining he anoints us and we get greasy with the Holy Ghost oh this is real this is real but let's stop right there, let's stop right there, let's stop right there because I want to spend some time in the presence of the Lord. I, I can't even get to the cup running over. Maybe we'll talk about that another time. But man, some of us say, Lord, I need a fresh anointing. The psalmist talks about that in the Psalms where he talks about my, my, my horn has been exalted and you've given me a fresh anointing. Some of us are tired. Some of us are sick. Some of us are weary. And God wants us to know that it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's what? By my spirit, says the Lord. So would you stand with me? We're going to sing. I want you guys to come on up and sing. And as we're in the presence of the Lord, if somebody just says, you know what? I need somebody to pray for me. Uh, I'm, I've asked my elders to come and any of our elders' wives who are here. Um, we have some oil. If you just need some prayer, you just need... In the house of God, would you pray for me? We're going to do it. There's no judging. We don't have to know the details. We all need a fresh anointing from time to time. So during this time, we're going to worship. If you're not coming forward to get prayer, you're praying in your seat, you're worshiping, and you're asking God to give you what you need right now because it's the anointing that makes the difference. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. Samson tried to free himself uh, when Delilah had set him up but he couldn't do it because the spirit left him. The spirit will not leave us, but it's only through the spirit that the bonds can be broken. So let's ask him to help us with those habits that we just can't break. Lord, help me with this attitude that I'm struggling with. Lord, help me with the spirit of fear that's coming. The anointing breaks the yoke. 
So let's pray right now. Let's pray. Elders, come on, help me out. Worship. Worship.